Today's podcast is sponsored by Hurdles and Heels by way of Life of Lanier. As a former collegiate athlete, a hurdler to be exact, there's not one race that she competed in that she did not practice for. So she takes the same concept to create a training ground to help equip high school and middle school girls to overcome their life hurdles. On today's podcast, we talk about everything from wedding planning to ambition to being a caretaker for a loved one with breast cancer. We learn that compassion requires interruption and that just because your journey takes a different course doesn't mean your destination is denied. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. It was a constant internal battle of here's what I want to do. Here is my dream for my life. Here is my vision. And it was a battle of God saying, but is that what I asked you to do? Is that what I called you to do? And the moment that I submitted to what he's called me and created me to do, everything opened up. Welcome to the Legacy and Lifestyle Show, where you'll learn how to live the life you want today while planning for the legacy you want to leave tomorrow. And I'm your host, George Palm, entrepreneur, financial advisor, fitness enthusiast, and foodie. What's up, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Legacy and Lifestyle Show. And on today's show, we have a, a treat for you. We have my good friend, Lanier Lindo. Her name sounds like a movie star, so you know she's good at what she does. Um, the funny story is, Lanier actually held the fate of my entire marriage in her hands, and she didn't even realize it at the time. So I met my wife back in 2011. I think it was around like uh, November. I better you know. Think? Yeah, I know. I know. It was around. It was, it was in November. You're supposed to know that, right? November of uh, 2011, and about a week after her not using my number, but we won't call her out on that. <laughs> um, Lanier actually popped over to Madge's house, and Madge and I were going to go out to lunch that day. And so Madge was like, "Oh, I'm going out to lunch with this guy, Matt George, super long last name." And Lanier was like, who is it? Of course, Lanier being Lanier, she knows everybody in Charlotte. So Madge was like, oh, you don't trust me. You don't know. And so she told uh, Lanier my last name. And Lanier was like, yeah, I know him. I've known George for years. And so luckily, Lanier was feeling me that day because she could have literally destroyed everything. Listen, put some dirt on that. Like, no, Majesty, he is not it. But no, George has always been a stand-up guy. I was actually upset with myself because... And I told both of them, them this afterwards. I'm like, I'm mad. I didn't think about that. Like, because they are so compatible. Once I started thinking about it, I'm like, dang, I missed an opportunity to have a win on my belt for matchmaking. <laughs> but, you know, timing is everything. And the yeah. good news is, like, again, you could have, you know, deleted the whole deal. But now we're here. We're happily married. Happily speaking of married. which. Ooh, I'm, he liked it and he put a ring on it. I'm, I'm looking at a ring right now. It's kind of blinding me. I'm about to put my shades on inside. Uh, shout out to Jack. Yes, baby, I love you so much. So, Jack, you got to listen now because she shouted you out on the show. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. But, yeah, so tell us about that. You know, when when did you get married? I mean, when did you get engaged? When's the big day? Man, I got engaged October 1st. Okay. I remember that day. And, y'all, <laughs> I had the biggest attitude on the day that I got engaged because I was hungry. 
Being hangry is a real emotion. True story, my mom called Jack. This is a real long story. Um, but the short version, my mom called Jack the day that we got engaged and said, you need to go get her some food. Because I had went to my mom and called her. And I'm like, I can't believe and he didn't make any food. And my mom was like, you need to feed that girl. So being hungry, hangry is a real thing. And my baby knows when she needs to eat, I, I have to eat. But I feel bad because afterwards I was like, oh, my God, this man was trying to proposed to me and yeah. I had the illest attitude that day and he is the most patient man in the world he is definitely um, he's a puzzle fit for me yeah. because he makes me better in so many ways and so he's awesome we are getting married on April 28th I love it I'm so excited my we birthday have, month is April so it's yep, gonna be great it's gonna be bomb um, so we have a lot of stuff just planned and I'm trying to here's a little PSA for whoever told y'all that wedding planning is fun whatever magazine y'all watched all the Pinterest boards y'all put together, wedding planning is not that fun. And I like events. <laughs> wedding planning is not that fun. If you have a chance to elope or go away and have your friends come with you, I would vote for that. But if you don't and you are wedding planning, I would definitely encourage you to find a way to enjoy it. Like whatever that means for you, I found a few avenues for myself to be able to thoroughly enjoy it and not just get bogged down with to-do lists because it can feel like that. And then here's another extra hint for y'all, just since we're here. Your Pinterest board will not be real life. So everything on your Pinterest board, I remember the dresses I had on my Pinterest board and even like centerpieces and little stuff. Every dress that I tried on that was similar to the ones on my Pinterest board, I hated them on me. And so everything looked different. So anyways, it's so much fun. I think it's a lot more exciting when you can do it with somebody you have fun with. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So... I'm all about it. Black wedding, black excellence. Yes. Black Panther. How black, do you think about Panther. black Panther. Oh my god. What did you think about the movie? I loved it. I shot out to my homegirl Felicia. She um, has a, a PR marketing company, and she hit me up the Tuesday before it released, and okay. was like, "So listen, we're doing this pre-screening in Charlotte. You should come." I've never seen a Marvel movie before. What? This was my first Marvel movie, and I was really excited about it because, yeah. you know, everybody likes a little VIP access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I, Come to think about it, I saw your IG post. I was like, wait, I thought the movie came out Friday. How is she yep, saying? I was you like, know, excuse me, Miss Exclusive. VIP is all about who you know. Okay. Well, who knows you really. <laughs> but um, it was amazing. I love it. My favorite part about it, mm -hmm. and this is hindsight. I'm like, man, I love the fact that every woman in that movie had a natural hairstyle. Yeah. And so I love it because I have a huge heart for young women and young mm -hmm. girls, but I love it that they have an opportunity to see a movie that's made such a big impact and see people that look like them. Right. See people that their hairstyles look like mm -hmm. them. And so I know even me growing up, I always felt like my hair had to be straight. Right. I have a background in television and I felt like to be accepted, your hair has to be yeah, straight. Yeah. And so I read an article and it said that there were no hot combs on that set. Wow, and I'm like, I don't even know. I have so many hot combs in my house, <laughs> like <laughs> flat irons and everything. So I love that. It was an amazing movie. And also I got up on a little Marvel. Um, everybody in Marvel knows it. I guess a Marvel secret, I would call it. But you got to stay to the end yeah, of the end of the movie. I was to. about to get up and Jack was like, what you doing? Gave me the look <laughs> like, nah, sit down, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was awesome though. I loved it. Dope, dope. Okay, well, I'll give you guys, I guess you could say, the formal rundown on Miss Lanier. <laughs> so she was born in NYC, the Big Apple, but yes. raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's a Southern belle with the heart of a city girl. Mm -hmm. A former television producer and current human resource professional, she's ambitious, driven, and outspoken, and her life is only in first 
gear. Yes, I love only it. in first gear. How many gears do you got? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. My my life goal is to find out how many gears. Okay. Keep going until it stops, I guess. Keep going until it stops. <laughs> okay, I can dig it. I can dig it. Okay, so just, I mean, you, you've given us... Um, a good a good bit already, but just tell us a little bit about you know who you are and just yeah. like what you're doing now. So one thing I didn't say in that is I'm Jamaican. So my dad is Jamaican, my mom's first. American. I'm a Jamaican, <laughs> and I love it just from a culture standpoint uh, to be able to see and understand just who I am and really embrace that has been fun. Although I don't eat spicy food, so my dad has kind of disowned me. He's like, you are not Jamaican because you don't eat spicy food. I can't stand spicy food. can't claim you. (laughs) I say we like I'm a Jamaican. I say you're not Jamaican. (laughs) You never know mine. (laughs) That was a terrible (laughs) accent. Was that terrible? That, it was okay. I give you my African more. accent is good though because I'm like half African, so legit. I feel like it's not really an accent. All right, it's give like us your best me, African. It's like me just you know Come conjuring on. up the spirit of give, myself. Give us something. What do you want to? What do you want to hear me say? I don't know. Okay. Um. Let's say. All right. Here we go. On the spot. Hello, my name is George, and really, what you need to know is I am the Black Panther. <laughs> The movie you have gone to see was actually me. I was the double stars. Yes. Okay. See? Okay. See? I told you. Listen, I'm impressed. I just feel like I feel like I can just peek back to I know. Yeah, you know? I, I love get, it. You got it in your blood, you got it in your blood. I love everything about it. But um so me, I mentioned earlier yeah. that, you know, finding ways to enjoy the season that I'm in as mm-hmm. far as wedding planning, right. one of the things that I've done is I've gone and I've started a blog. <laughs> And I'm like, wait, so start a blog in the same time that you're preparing to get married? Why not? not? I mean, life is crazy enough. Why not just add some crazy to it, right? To get some context, like, Lanier is kind of like the girl version of me. So, like, it it (laughs) makes sense when she tells me, like, okay, sure, why not? Yep, we thought about it. It was in my brain. Like, make it happen. Yeah. I've actually had a few of my friends. Majesty was one of them Mm because I was trying to do about two more things in this season. And Majesty's like, Lanier, focus on your wedding. Focus on the blog and just make those things great. So that's a real good plug to have good people in your circle. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing about my life. I have amazing friends around me yeah. um, that are honest, that push me, and that you also have some fun with. Mm-hmm. So anyways, yeah. I digress. So going back on track, um, I launched the blog called Life of Lanier. And <clears throat> for me, Life of Lanier very much encompasses everything I am. And it's also a way for me to continue it after my wedding season because it's my life, right? And so the life of me being a wife, one day me being a mom, me being a working mom, you know, just all of the things and really being able to find something that excites me. So my background is in television. I worked at Fox and CNN before working at where I'm at now, Elevation Mm -hmm. Church. And um, when I got into television, I'm like, I love being in front of the camera, but I was always in the back end doing production. And so for me, I felt like if I can create an avenue for me to be in front of a camera and help people during my wedding season, it's a win. So the one thing, it's taken me a very long time, I'm almost 30, it's taken me a very long time to realize that a part of my life mission is to help people. Right. And at every avenue, I go back to how does this help somebody else? Mm-hmm. And so the vlog I created for this season of Life of Lanier, we're doing a Wedding Chronicles series. And I've sat down with a professional who mm-hmm. does weddings. Yeah. And we're doing real topics. We're talking about how you pick your wedding colors, how many bridesmaids, like right. what should you do on invitations. It's the conversations that you have with your girls. Yeah. You bring in a professional and hopefully 
my idea is that it will be able to help a lot of women who are wedding planning or a lot of women that are helping someone wedding plan. So that's yeah. Life of Lanier. It'll evolve as I evolve because I like, feel like that happens often, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the other avenue is Elevation. Y'all, Elevation is a love of mine. Being able Ooh. to... <laughs> Pastor Steven, we love you. Thank you for your word and your encouragement and your challenge. Y'all, if y'all don't have a pastor that's challenging you, you have to find a pastor that challenges you because if you are staying in the same gear, I don't know where you're going to go. <laughs> and you know, Lanier, she's trying to figure out how many gears she got. So Right. You yeah. got to get to at least another one. At least another Another one. <laughs> and another one. I love it. Um, but Elevation, I've been there. I was a producer when I first started. Um, I've been a campus director. And now I have an opportunity to serve on our HR team as a recruiter. And so people often ask, why does a church need a recruiter? Mm. Or they ask me, are you recruiting people to come to the church? And I'm like, y'all, <laughs> That's no. That's funny. I didn't even think about that. I get that yeah. question all the time. Yeah. We're, we actually have a full HR department. And okay. you got to think about it. For us to operate at the level that we operate, at the excellence that we operate in, mm. we have to have a solid amount of people to help yeah. us do that. And it's the right people. Mm. So I have an honor to be able to sit with the team that makes that happen. So it's awesome. awesome. It's been real fun. So do you guys see the, the underlying theme that we're getting here? Like she had, had the fate of my marriage in her hands and now she has the fate <laughs> of Elevation Church and their people <laughs> in her hands. I, I don't know. I mean, she has a lot. This woman has a lot of power. I think God trusts me. I, I, can, dig I can dig it. So it sounds like you're doing a lot. A lot of great things nonetheless. Yeah. And so my question is, how does one balance all of <laughs> George, balance is a myth. You're right. I, I just want to hear somebody else say it. You're right. <laughs> balance is a myth. I feel like so often people are stuck in trying to figure out how to achieve balance. And then they get so, it's a it's almost like a hamster wheel. Like, how do I find balance? But it's, I don't think it's something that you can find. And then you find right. yourself frustrated trying to find something that I think is non-existent. Right. Um, I like to think of integration as something mm. that our lives could use more of. And it's something that we talk about a lot at Elevation yeah. from a staff culture standpoint because ministry is full-time. Right. Ministry is not a nine-to-five. Entrepreneurship is not a nine-to-five. Mm. And so it's something, a conversation that we have often. But personally, I have the analogy. I need y'all to go here with me. Okay, participate. Unless you're driving, close your eyes. <laughs> Okay. So close your eyes and I want you to see a seesaw. And you know when you have a seesaw, it goes up and it goes down. Imagine some kids playing on a seesaw. I feel like that's our life. At any given point, something is getting more time, something is getting more energy, something's getting more attention, which means something's down and something's not getting your time, something's not getting your attention. So when you think about it, that's always the constant state of your life. Something is getting more and something is getting less. It's inevitable. Right. And so to find a place of equilibrium, the only time a balance being a seesaw, excuse me, the only time a seesaw is at an, equal, an equilibrium is when nobody's on it. So if you're doing something with your life, something's always going to be moving. Uh, something's always going to be not. I love that. And so I feel like for me, I'm trying to learn at every season, how do I integrate what's important right now? Right. How do I overlap what's important? And I think it consists of also going back to the drawing board and saying, in this season, what's important? Because what's important to me as a woman who is preparing to be a wife, as a woman who is preparing to continue growing this brand, as a woman who is continuing to you know, thrive in the career that she's in, 
what's important right now. Mm -hmm. What's important right now wasn't important when I was a college athlete or when I was, you know, taking care of my mom. Things have shifted. And so what's important now and how do I integrate it? How do I overlap time with my girlfriends? Mm -hmm. And how do I make sure that I'm spending time with my fiance? How do I make sure that I'm spending time on the vision that God gave me? Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it is... How do I give everything an equal amount of time? I think it is what's important right now right. and based on what's important, am I allocating enough time for that? And not that everything else is less important, mm-hmm. but in a season, something is not gonna, you can't get the same attention for everything. So okay. I don't think balance is a real thing. I think you gotta figure out how to integrate and I think it's fluid, it's fluidity. And I'm learning that cause I'm a control freak. I like <laughs> things to be done when I like it to be done. It's a problem, I'm learning it. My fiance is helping me learn it because you can't do that with men. You can't control them. This is true. I'm learning it. <laughs> and figuring out how, I think as I've gotten older, I've become more fluid. And as I become more fluid, I feel like my life has gotten to a place that I feel like it's more controlled Mm -hmm. because it's everything's up, everything's down, something's getting, something's not. And so I think it's integration, figuring out integration. And it's a daily thing. I love that. I really love the way you put that together. And it makes a lot of sense in a very practical way. So my question is this, right? So you have Life of Lanier, that's the blog, Mm -hmm. you're planning a wedding, Mm -hmm. you're doing great work for Elevation Church. It's all integrated. When, but when you think of an integration perspective, when you think of, think of it from an integration perspective, um, how do you integrate what you do at church and just the lifestyle that's associated with that into your everyday life, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, from the outside looking in, I would imagine that, you know, to the naked eye, it would be challenging, right? It's like, how do I balance, you know, being fun and being, you know, all the things that you are, but at the same token, showing how you can infuse that with, you know, what you do at church and who you are as a Christian. It's hard, George. I think it is a constant, um, it's a constant refining. Mm -hmm. So one, here's an example I'd give you. I also at Elevation, I get the opportunity to host online. Mm -hmm. So we have an online network and we call everybody eFam. So we have over 90 countries where people tune in and actually call Elevation Church home from where they are, from as far as South Mm -hmm. Africa to Asia to the United States. And it's awesome. But I think doing that has also taught me how to answer your question of how do you do the fun but get the work done because you're online and you are connecting with people through a camera so if i'm connecting with you through a camera there has to be a certain level of trust that you have in what i'm saying right so but there has to be in order to build trust some relational equity Mm -hmm. so there's an element of hey building relational equity and then i think you also have to build relational equity based on who you are I can't build relational equity if I'm trying to be somebody else. And so I'm a fun person. I love talking. I love people. And so how do you, for me, how do I take who I am? And I think it also, it it begs you to know who you are. Mm. And so when you know who you are, you know how to bring who you are to the table and match it with whatever the expectation is. Because with Elevation, I'm a part of Pastor Steven's vision. Right. So what the, what's the expectation? Here's the expectation. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Bam, how do you marry the two? Because I think in so many in so many ways, I can go on so many tangents, y'all. I'm sorry, I'm a rabbit trail talker. And so I just start <laughs> talking about one thing and then I end up on a different trail. Uh, we, we love it. <laughs> go, where, go where the path leads you. I love it. So I, I think you have to know who you are. It's important to know who you are. And it's not something I think that you arrive at. 
Okay. Because we change so much, right. I think knowing how to take time to assess who you are and where you are are important. Mm-hmm. And then when you take whatever the expectation setting that you're in, right. how do you marry the two? And so if that's an expectation of your job, if it's an expectation of your relationship, mm-hmm. if it's an expectation that you have for yourself, mm-hmm. how do you marry it with who you are? Love it. So to dig a little deeper on that point, but you did a great job. Okay. Um, I'm coming at it also from the angle of, all right, so people view the church in a certain light, right? Mm-hmm. Not just elevation, but the concept of church, mm-hmm. right? So I know who you are, you know, behind closed doors, in front of the camera, and, it, and genuinely, it's really all the same person, right? My question is, do you, is it challenging to be who you are, right, in all of that, in all that that means, and also be in a role or capacity where people maybe are putting a certain level of expectation you. on I'm you. Following. Does that make sense? I'm picking up what you're putting okay. down. It's hard as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is because I think a lot of it becomes a self-imposed limitation that I put on myself where I think that people associate and it's a real thing. It's such a real thing. People associate, if you work at a church, you have to be perfect. Yeah. If you work for the Lord, you have to know all your scriptures. You have to know what this means. You should be able to read Hebrews and speak in tongue and shout on one toe. Like, <laughs> on one toe. Not on one toe. I'm, I'm like, trying to do it right now. <laughs> like, you need to be able to do it all. But the reality is I'm human. Right. I drop the ball. I cuss sometimes. I don't know all my scriptures. But here's the reality. And I think a lot of... The sad part is I think a lot of people's expectations are bogged down based in religion and not relationship mm. with God. Can you say that again for the people in the back? Listen, the people in the back, your expectations sometimes can be projected, especially in a negative light, if it is based on religion and not relationship. Yeah. I think a relationship with God is personal. Yeah. I think a relationship with God... Um, it's something that happens internally and it bleeds externally. There's a scripture that says, it talks about, and I don't mean to go to church on y'all, but hey. there's a scripture that talks about overflowing yeah. to operate from the overflow. That means mm-hmm. you have to have something in you and what you have in you is what you will put out. Ooh, and so she preaching, I, think, y'all. <laughs> I think it's very, very important for people to understand that everyone's human, A, And so the decision that I've made to dedicate my life to ministry Mm -hmm. is one that I absolutely love. I wouldn't change it for the world because it took me a long time to even get here. Because y'all, look, Lanier had her plan. Lanier was going to be living in somebody's penthouse making a whole bunch of money. And ministry ain't about money. You remember, (laughs) it's not. And it was a constant internal battle of... Here's what I want to do. Here is my dream for my life. Here is my vision. And it was a battle of God saying, but is that what I asked you to do? Is that what I called you to do? And the moment that I submitted to what he's called me and created me to do, everything opened up. It's so crazy and it sounds so cliche, but the moment that I stopped running, it was a time where I came and God really asked me, Lanier, are you going to live your dream for your life or mine? And when I decided, you know what? It's not even worth it. <laughs> it's not even worth me trying to fight so hard to make my thing happen. The moment I was able to submit to his thing, all of the my things, if you will, started happening too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to answer your question and go all the way back around, it is very hard to manage the expectation of people yeah. um, because people want you to be perfect. I think uh, when people understand that their relationship with God isn't perfect and that 
because every day they are living out of the grace of God. Mm -hmm. mm, I got something. Ooh. Here it is. I think it's so hard, and it's hard for me. You can't give what you don't have, right? You can't give what you don't have. People don't know how to extend grace because they don't give grace to themselves. Ooh. And so it's something that I've been learning. I can't give anybody grace because I'm very hard. I'm the person that walks in the room and I see everything that's wrong. That's my brain goes there. And I've been learning how to give myself grace. And I think when I've learned how to give myself grace, it's easier for me to extend it to others. Wow. And I think people who are so critical and people who, who want you to be perfect and people who have the list of 20 things that you need to live by and the type of person you should be working at a church are the same people that probably haven't forgiven themselves of things that they've done or probably are mad at themselves and they haven't been able to extend the grace to them mm -hmm. that themselves that God wants them to give to other people. Wow, that, that was so powerful. And you Thank gave you. me, I know I dig deeper, but you gave me so much more. So I'm glad that, that you did that. And it makes me think of something. And I'm so glad that you had that realization as you're heading into marriage. Mm -hmm. Because Lord, yes. one of the things that <laughs> I had to realize too is that in order to learn unconditional love, right? The person that you love cannot meet all your conditions, mm -hmm. right? And so how could we ever learn what it means to be, you know, to love unconditionally if in our mind we envision that our spouse or our coworker or whoever does everything we think we want them to do, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you have that perspective now, even though it's gonna be a work in progress as it is still is for me, <laughs> um, it's so important to realize that, you know, hold on, this is actually teaching me something. Like mm -hmm. if they were perfect, I wouldn't be able to grow. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like their your growth is contingent upon their imperfections. Exactly. Right? I love that. Their growth, yes, your growth is contingent upon their um, imperfections. I love that, George. You need to make that a meme. And I just thought of it just now. See, that's the beauty of having great people on the show. Listen. Like she is pulling it out of me. Listen. I'm pulling it out of her. <laughs> great things are happening. Y'all better keep great people and in I your love circle. It. I love it. Right. Okay. Let's keep it moving because this is, I mean... You're giving us some great stuff here. I feel like we're gonna be so over time, George. I think we're gonna be okay. Okay. And it's my show. <laughs> you so make we can the go. Rules. We can go as long as we wanna go. Y'all <laughs> go listen. Two episodes. Y'all go get this work. Part I love one it. And part two. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna kind of pivot okay. um, and, and go a completely different direction. Okay. Uh, so again, I mentioned Lanier is a good personal friend of mine. So outside of you know knowing what she does and all that the world gets to see, I also get to know some of the more intimate behind the scenes stuff. And I know, and I don't know the exact date, so forgive me, but I know. Um, within the past, has it been a couple years already? Yeah, it's been couple almost years. two years. Yeah, her um, her mother um, got diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And before we dive into that, what I want to know is when you found out that news, what was your initial reaction? I was in shock. Like, you know how, and I'm sure that everybody listening to this, you've had a circumstance in your life where it hit you and it was one of those things that you thought only happened to other people um, or one of those things that you've only seen happen to other people and I didn't know how to process it. I'm the person that takes stuff and processes. That's how my brain works. I'm the person that helps other people and when my mom told me, my initial reaction was, and this is the way that I'm wired because I wanted her to be strong. I was like, oh my, it's gonna be fine. Don't you worry about it. Externally, I was game. Mm -hmm. Externally, it was very strange. My game face went on so quick. Mm -hmm. I don't even think I took a second to breathe and hopefully I'll be able to tell you about this, how that um, actually worked against me a little later in yeah. just the process. Right. But like, I remember when she told me, my game face went on 
internally, I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't supposed to be happening to me. My mom's a good person. She loves the Lord. She's been doing everything right. Like, I was taken by surprise internally, but because of how God wired me, my game face went on so quick and I went directly to, okay, what's the solution? How do we fix it? What do we do? How do we, what? Like with all of the questions. Yeah. I think that's where I jumped. I was still, I was still very confused and hurt, mm -hmm. but I jumped to fix it mode and do mode. I didn't even give myself a time. Like, I don't think I cried yeah. or even processed it until probably a year, eight months wow. in. It yeah. was like, all right, go mode. What do we do? Right. Yeah. Wow. wow. And so me knowing you, I know, you know, you're that person that feels like they have to be strong for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. And your mom being probably one of the closest people to you outside of your soon to be husband. Right. Um, I'm just, I'm almost curious, like. How were you able to put on that game face for so long while still managing and processing your own emotions and how you were gonna and how you were dealing with this challenge? I think it was a decision I made. Mm -hmm. um, I think I made the decision that. So give y'all a little background. I grew up with my mom. It was my mom and I. <clears throat> um, my dad was very much in my life, but at a distance. So very much a um, what is co-parenting relationship. My dad was up in New York at the time, and my mom, I told you I grew up here in Charlotte. And so, being that that was our relationship, it was always me and my mom. My mother and I, my mom, to this day, my mom has dated like one guy, maybe two that I can name. Mm -hmm. So it was just always, and maybe she dated him, but I just didn't know. She <laughs> hid it from me. Mama said, that's grown folk business. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. Um, but it's always been my mom and I. And... I even think back, and I'm gonna try not to get emotional on y'all, but um, I even think back, every opportunity I had, it's because my mom's like, nope. Her goal in life was, you will never feel the effects of being in a single parent household. And to this day, we'll laugh and joke about it. She says it's something that um, probably, a reason why I'm spoiled, it's a double-edged sword, because she's like, no, you will never feel the effects of being in a single parent household and so anything that I said I wanted to do or anything that I dreamt or anything that I'm like I want to try when I tell y'all Sarita made it happen anything every track meet I ended up you know running track that was where I, I landed um, and was blessed to get a scholarship to college my mother was at every track meet my mom was the team mom and my mother always had my back without question it was my mom and I I never had to question if my mom was gonna be there um, and so to answer your question how I was able to keep my game face on I think at this point in life I'm also old enough to know that hindsight her being there for me was not without sacrifice of right. something right um, it was not something that was easy for her to do as a single parent I never want it for anything. And so to know that um, that was her condition of her heart towards me, mm -hmm. I had no choice but to put my game face on. Mm -hmm. I had no choice but to be what my mom was all my life to me and then some because she deserved it. Right. And so for me, it was a decision I made of, mm-mm. I don't even think it was a, you know, I'm lying. I don't even say it was a decision. It, I feel like it just happened. Yeah. Like, game face on and go. Right. 
I, I can't think that, I, I can't say, excuse me, that I processed and I sat down and had this long, mm -hmm. this is the decision that I'm making and put my game face on. Uh, a part of it, and I hate giving answers like that because of course I told you I want to help people, um, but it kind of just happened, my game face. And I think it's very indicative of who I am as a person. When problem solving, I put my game face on. And yeah. so, um, and, and I think yeah. I think that lends the perspective that everything that we ever need is already on the inside of us. Absolutely. Right? Like it might not be activated, mm -hmm. you know, it might be dormant, right? Mm -hmm. But everything that we ever need for every situation that we ever gonna face, we already have it. Yep. And it's important to realize that for anything that we want to achieve. We talked about ambition on the show so far. Um, and to that end and still staying in the same lane. Um, so this is a very dynamic question, but how did the situation change you? And what I mean mm. by that is, you know, you're very ambitious, mm -hmm. right? And so from, from one end of the spectrum, you could be like, you know, because we are similar, like I know when I went through my health challenge, right? And, and as a matter of fact, at times, you know, we were kind of probably in the hospital at the at same, the same time. time. Mm -hmm. um, when I was going through my health challenge, one of the things that was going through my mind, once I got the mental clarity to get back on the horse, if you will, I'm like, I'm going harder than ever. But George, you already go hard. Like, wait till you see what mm -hmm. I got for you, right? So on one end of the spectrum, it's like that, right? It's like, okay, my mom has, through her strength, I've seen that, number one, anything can happen in life, but you can overcome it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to use my voice and my life, my platform to go and get everything because I never know what could sideline me, right? Mm -hmm. That's one perspective. The other perspective is maybe um, how does it reframe what's important? Yep. Right, yep. because it's like at that time, like Lanier didn't become Lanier after her mom got breast cancer. You've always been Lanier. You've always been this ambitious. So it's like, I'm sure you had things going on at that time where it's mm -hmm. like, well, going back to uh, integration and figuring out what's important, right? Yep. Like, how do I figure out what's important in this season? Yeah. Um, and at that moment, so I guess I'm just curious to bring it back home. How did this situation change and reframe your perspective on how to understand what's important at any given time in life? Uh. It was hard. I think the, the most immediate change that happened was logistically, my yeah. job changed. Yeah. And so even hindsight, I love my role right now and I couldn't think of a better role, but that's not the role that I was in. I work for an amazing organization, I told y'all, and I will brag on Elevation all day. And if you want some, you got something negative to say, I'll fight you about it. <laughs> um, but the church really rallied behind me and allowed me to move into a role that allowed me to care for my mom because it's just me and my mom. And so um, logistically speaking, I moved out of my apartment. I moved in with my mother. I was able to change job roles that gave me the flexibility to be with my mom in her treatments, to be able to take care of her, to be able to really be, be there for her when she needed me the most. And when you talk about like things changing and really understanding the importance so remember a little bit ago when I said I was career focused, I still am very ambitious as far as my career aspirations go, but if I would have still been working in corporate or if I would have still been working in television, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, no one would have said, hey, we want to find a new role for you so that you can be able to take care of your mom, so that you can be able to be there for her. And so that immediate thing was like, oh my gosh, this is such a blessing. I got an entire new role to be able to take care of my mom. So on that lens, it was great. And then I got into the role and I was like, oh my gosh, this is boring. Like I'm such a people person. I'm looking at application, what is happening? And it was so difficult for me to transition. And you know, I really wanted to be a campus pastor and just all of these things that I would say I was pretty much on track to do within our organization. And taking that shift for me was, hey, 
you're taking a step back on your dreams and taking mm. a step back on your goals. And I remember wrestling with that for a very long time of like, I'm literally giving up my life for my mom. And it was hard, but knowing and understanding at this point in my life how she's done it for me, it made it doable every day. It was a daily thing that I had to do. But, um, George, ask me your question again so I can make sure I answer it. No, you're good. You're right, right on par. So my, my question is, so how did the situation change you? Yes. How did it reframe your perspective mm -hmm. on what's important? Yep. And so when I was able to switch roles and really get into that, okay, here's where I am. Here's what God is doing. I think the moment I really started embracing my place, if you will, um, on that team and seeing the value add and really being able to, from a work perspective, see that God had so much in me that I didn't realize were gifts, if you will, in that avenue. Yeah. It made me realize how God works everything together. Here I am a year and a half, maybe it's almost two years removed and I've been on this team and this is just one avenue. And when I tell y'all, I love my role. I, I, I love the opportunity and what I get to do. And I don't think there is another better fit in what I'm doing than me right now. And not saying that braggingly or, you know, um, I'm saying it as humbly as possible. But that one avenue of, it was almost like a surge of confidence in that avenue that gave it to me in my entire life of, no, no, no. I have your absolute best interest at heart. And I want to show you that, like, no matter what happens, I'm able to, like, get you where I need you to be. So from that, I think it was really just a refocus. So earlier on, I said you have to know who you are and you have to know who you are in every season. It allowed me to pause and say, Lanier, who are you in this season? What is important? How, how do you move from here? And so I think it really allowed me to shape how I see life because it allowed me to learn to refocus. I think about a, a camera lens. We all have our iPhones, right? If you move too quickly to a different picture, it takes a minute to refocus. It takes a minute in order for that picture to be the best quality. It takes a second for it to refocus. And so I think this, this has really taught me how to refocus. Like it doesn't mean that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Right. It doesn't mean that I'm losing that life. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean that, hey, because everything that I planned isn't happening, that I'm not effective, efficient, or where I'm supposed to be. Exactly. It yeah. is a refocus. And I love that because, and shameless plug alert, on I think episode eight or nine of the, the Legacy and Lifestyle show, it's entitled Permission to Pivot, mm -hmm. right? And we don't need permission to pivot. It's our life. Right? Yes. At any point in time, if we just feel like, you know what? Let me just go this direction. Let me pause to your, to your point mm -hmm. and just wait a second before I, you know, take this next picture, this next snapshot of what my life should be like. So I love that. Um, this next question and one of our last um, kind of brings it full circle. Okay. So through that season and then think about the season that you're in right now, how did the dynamic of caring for your mom help prepare you to be a better spouse? Mm. The dynamic of caring for my mom has helped me become mentally, and I say become, because um, I don't think it's something that just shifts when Correct. you walk down the aisle. And so I'm like getting there, but it's helped me prepare to become a wife 
I think it's the selflessness. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a very selfish person. I grew up by myself. I grew up as an only child. I have brothers, but they're all older than me. So I grew up, like I said, my mother and I. And in that, it has groomed me to be thinking about me. <laughs> it's groomed me Fair to enough. think about me. And so when I literally, not figuratively, had to stop my life, not had to, got an opportunity there you go. to stop my life and care for my mother, none of that was about me. Everything that was the byproduct that has actually turned out to be so amazing for me um, is, is great, but none of that was for me. And so I would say one of the biggest things, it's really taught me how to be selfless. And I can't say that I am doing it perfect at all. I can say that my awareness has been heightened into how to be more um, selfless in that. Right. And it makes me feel like, here's an analogy. Um, I was in a, a teaching a while ago and actually Pastor Steven said this. I think I actually shared these notes with you. It was a long time oh, ago. Oh, I think I remember what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Pastor Steven started talking about, um, I can't remember the title of it, but the analogy that he made is, so let's say your favorite place is P.F. Chang's and you're going to P.F. Chang's. That's your destination. Mm-hmm. You're on the way to P.F. Chang's. Get in your car and you get a flat tire. Guess what? Your destination doesn't change. This this mishap, if you will, right. your flat tire, it gets changed. Your destination is still your destination. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the same thing is true with our lives. Yeah. Um, the destination is the destination. Yeah. And, and whatever that is for you. Mm-hmm. I, and I think sometimes it might be an accident and you have to go a different route. Yeah. You think about your, your Google Maps or yeah. your Waze. Mm-hmm. I think Waze would be a really good example of this. Yeah. It takes you around the accident. Mm-hmm. And it might seem longer. It might seem like more turns. It might seem like more movement. But I think when you think about the more movement, when our lives feel like that, it's because, hey, it's going a different route. We think the fastest way from point A to point B is a straight line. Mm -hmm. But sometimes Waze is like, no, that's 77, that's 485, you're going to be in traffic. I need you to go here and go there in order for you to get to where you need to be. Correct. And be grateful for your meal at PF Chain. Yeah. And so (laughs) I, I think of just a lot of the things that have happened in my life with my mom and even goals and aspirations and getting married and things that I want to launch still, it's like, hey, the destination is still the destination. Right. It makes the meal more sweeter when you get there. Exactly. Um, but I'm not going to be like, okay, I'm not hungry anymore because I got a flat tire. You still got to eat. Yep. You hit the nail on the head and took some of the words out of my mouth. Um, I have this analogy that I use with my clients and it's, you know, there's a big difference between a roadmap and a GPS system, mm-hmm. right? So it's like yep. you know, back in what, like 99, when we would print out the directions mm-hmm. from, from MapQuest. If those directions flew out the window, we're screwed, right? Mm-hmm. But with the GPS system, inevitably there's going to be roadblocks. You might get a flat tire. Yep. But to your point, you're still going to get to where you got to go. It might just not be the original exactly. path that you intended. Yeah. And it's so important for us to remember that. And nine times out of ten... The path that we ultimately end up get to go end up going. The reason why they call it the scenic route is because there's things that you were supposed to see, see. that you know you otherwise wouldn't have if you just went Absolutely. the path that you thought you were supposed to go. Absolutely, so that's very important. I love um, it. Another thing that comes to mind when I just hear you talk about kind of the experience that you had through that season is uh, I think Pastor Stephen actually said this: uh, compassion requires interruption, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it's absolutely. like, and I, and this is something I will be very transparent with. I struggle with so much, mm-hmm. like because 
when your significant other or your friend or your brother or anybody is in need of you, it rarely is going to align with when it's convenient. Convenient, absolutely. Right? Yep. Um, and the thing that finally made me get a lot better about this is I was on the way to a barbershop, on the barbershop, like Saturday morning. You know, my haircuts are important. I actually got my haircut today. <laughs> and um, I was rushing. I was already running a little bit behind. And then I was zooming past and I saw a homeless guy that was like right near my apartment. I was like, man, one thing I do do is I always stop. I always speak. I always try to engage them and help them out. But I was on the way to the barbershop today. <laughs> so I was like, all right, bet. My haircuts don't take that long. I'm gonna come back. He's going to be there. I'm going to stop at a Chick-fil-A, give him a little sandwich, wrap with him. And then I came back and he was gone. And I was like, dang, was my haircut or me being a little bit late for my hair haircut appointment really that important that mm -hmm. I couldn't stop for someone who you know was homeless right? right and so it just for me now it's ingrained in me that hey look when other people need you it's not going to be convenient for you mm -hmm. right so be willing to interrupt what you think is important to provide that compassion yep. for someone else and so that seems like kind of the underlying theme of that season of your life and just a perspective that I now have about how I approach different things. Even with, with my wife, my significant, significant other, I could be working at eight, nine o'clock at night. She wants to cuddle, she wants to Netflix. And I'm like, but I'm working right now. <laughs> you know, but it's crazy because she's an ambitious person as well. But like, you know, women like they cuddle time. Women yeah. like their quality time. And I'm just sometimes like, no, oh, not right now, not right now. <laughs> but um, I get it and I'm yeah. working at it. I'm trying to get better. And um, you know, that's what it's all about. And so last but not least, I want to end on these two points. First, I just want to ask, like, what's next for Lanier? Ooh, what's next? I need to get down this aisle. Yeah. That's next. That's about two months away now um, as of this recording. But that's next. And then after that, someone, we actually had a girls' night last, a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And the question was asked, hey, where do you want to be in a year? Or what's one thing you want to accomplish in a year? Mm -hmm. And you talk about your perspective shifting. As ambitious and as driven as I am in my goals, and I'll tell you some of them in a second, are still there. My number one thing I said this time next year is I want to have a healthy and happy marriage. Because I think from that, when you think about what's inside of you, you can't give what you don't have. And I think from that place, so many things will be great, um, including Hurdles and Heels. Um, so Hurdles and Heels is an organization that I started and put on pause and like so many things where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so horrible. I want to yeah. do this now and really waiting for the right time to be able to give it the effective amount of attention. And it's never gonna be the right time, but the time in which um, it's something that's so needed. For me in my life, a part of the reason that I am who I am mm -hmm. is really because of mentorship, mentorship, excuse me, and modeled lifestyles. And so hurdles and heels, I ran track and did hurdles in college. And something I realized as an adult is I never, like y'all, I never competed in a race that I didn't practice for. And so taking that concept, what would it look like if we created an avenue for young ladies to practice for the hurdles that they're gonna come over? Because it's inevitable. Every woman listening to this podcast, you have faced a hurdle of self-esteem, a hurdle of body image, a hurdle of finances, relationships, all of those things. But especially during middle school and high school, helping young ladies figure out how to get over the hurdle. Mm -hmm. I never I never competed in a race I didn't practice for. And so creating a practice ground for young right. ladies to be able to overcome life's hurdles and heels. And so hurdles and heels will be launching, relaunching um, at the end of the year and partnering with some schools and doing okay. some Y'all heard some that. Programs. Let's hold her accountable. End yep. of the year. End of the year. So okay. I'm excited about that. And um, right now, keeping Life of Lanier going with um, hurdles and heels. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. 
excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. Okay, and the last question for the day is Bring what, it on. You got it? Okay. Right. All right. <laughs> what does it mean to live your lifestyle today that will ensure you leave a meaningful legacy tomorrow? Ooh, it means investing in something that will live past me. I think so many cultures and so many families do it well. And so, hey, what is something that I am investing my time in that when I have no more time to invest, my legacy can, my children can, or if they don't want to invest in it, they can at least reap the benefits financially of my investment. And so it's really shifting my mindset of, okay, remember when I was talking about that seesaw earlier and how hey, how do you refocus what's important? Some things are going to get more of your time. Some things are not. And Jack and I have talked about this. Hey, when we get married, we need to sit down and look at what are the things that we are investing our time and our money in. You hear this all the time. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't heard this before. Where you invest your time and your money shows what's more impo- most important to you. Mm-hmm. Where are we investing our time and our money in a way that when we're not here, yeah. our legacy will be able to really benefit from the lifestyle that we live through what's important in our time and our money and so really figuring out looking at our calendars and looking at our bank accounts and saying hey how are we aligning where we want to be in 50 years with what we're doing today and just making changes and it ain't easy it's not easy but um i want my children to have something that i didn't have yeah um and so i gotta do it I love it. I love it. So you're doing so many great things. So you got to let the people know where can we find you? What's the website, social media? Guys, keep up with me. I love talking to people and I love being able. I told you I'm such a people person. She does love talking to people. This is probably our our, our longest podcast, but it's a great one and we love it. (laughs) I'm sorry, but everything is life of Lanier. I keep it simple, even though it's hard to spell my name. It's L-A-N-A-I-R-E. Um, lifeoflanier.com life of Lanier on Instagram on Twitter and on Facebook um, would love to be able to connect with y'all so life of Lanier and I want to say one thing before we finish especially sure. for people who find themselves in a season of walking through cancer with a loved one as a caregiver or as somebody that has it at the moment I just want to encourage you First, for the caregivers, that um, your presence is the biggest gift. I struggled a lot with, well, what can I do? I can't take it away, and I can't do anything to fix it or make her feel better. Um, Your presence is such a gift and a very easy way to make yourself feel significant because it's a mind game is when you go to doctor's appointments, ask questions. Um, Go online and figure out some questions to ask. Uh, and then just continue being present. And if you are now finding yourself battling with cancer, I want to encourage you that God has you. Um, your life is so precious and there are so many things that he wants to do through you where you are. And so just stay strong. Um, but I love y'all. Life of Lanier. Praying for y'all. George, thank you for having of me. Course, I'm so excited. Y'all, this was indeed <laughs> one of the best, if not the best podcast we've ever done. So I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll definitely have to have you back. Yeah. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Legacy and Lifestyle Show with your host, George Achenpong, where you'll learn how to live the life you want today while planning for the legacy you want to leave tomorrow. Purpose, passion, and profit. Makes sense to me.